Welcome to OEM Industry Update, a weekly podcast examining the latest news and technology trends impacting product development teams in the heavy-duty on- and off-highway equipment industries. I'm Sarah Jensen, editor of OEM Off-Highway, and in this week's episode, I'll be speaking with Stephen Whaley, Director, Auto Gas Business Development at the Propane Education and Research Council, about a recent study which compares the carbon footprint of propane-fueled vehicles to that of electric vehicles. Let's take a listen now. Well, why don't we just kind of jump in and maybe if you could sort of provide an overview of this new study that came out, which kind of showed that um, propane outpaces electric as far as car- its carbon footprint for medium and heavy duty trucks, kind of maybe how that study came about, who conducted it, and what are some, maybe some of the key findings from that study? Sure, sure. No, um, I, I'll back up just a little bit and, um, and, and, and go back to uh, the, the, the reason why we're, we're doing this. It's, it's pretty easy for propane to show autogas in the uh, transportation sector. It's pretty easy for us to show how much cleaner we are than you know, diesel and, and, a, and a current uh, energy sources that are, that are used for transportation. But uh, we're, we're not being measured against that now. Um, you know, as you, you probably aware, the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the big talk is about you know, electric vehicles um, especially, you know, uh, what, what I want to talk about is, is the electric, you know, vehicles in that, you know, class three through seven truck space. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's where propane shines very well in, uh, in, in transportation. So in, instead of being, you know, comparing ourselves to diesel and, and that's, that's pretty easy to do to show how clean it is. The, 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 the current trend of today is, is basically, you know, uh, everything has to be EV. So uh, we went ahead and, and did a study of comparing to, you know, kind of, kind of the new baseline of what people think is the cleanest way of uh, accomplishing their, their transportation needs. And so that's why we're doing this study comparing to, to, to the EV vehicle. So uh, with that, <clears throat> what we've done is, um, uh, done a, a more complete analysis. Um, every, everybody knows when they drive an electric car, it doesn't have a tailpipe on it. So uh, it, it doesn't have any emissions, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, n- not, not exactly because that, that energy that went into that car had to be generated somewhere. Uh, so, you know, every, everybody has to account for a, a more complete life cycle analysis. And that's, that's the extraction of the, of, of the primary resources, uh, you know, the, the, the coal, the natural gas, the nuclear, the wind, the solar, biomass, all of those energy sources going into a power plant that generates electricity that goes through transmission lines and distribution channels to finally get to that, you know, charger that charges a car needs to be accounted for. Um, so what we've done is uh, use the um, energy information agencies, you know, dot, dot gov. We've used CARB methodology, the California Air Resource Board, uh, to, to determine the carbon intensity of both energy sources. 
And if you, if you look at uh, Dr. Gokul's uh, 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 white paper, you'll see you know, some, of, some of those graphs. And uh, it, it shows that the national average for the carbon intensity of propane is at a 79. Um, but if you look at all of the sources that are going into the electric grids, and every state is a little bit different, um, you know, where there's uh, uh, different sources that are going into that power generation, but the average grid electricity carbon intensity is 165 compared to that 79 for, for propane. Um, but that in and of itself doesn't determine the greenhouse gases. It's the measuring stick that we use to then determine when a vehicle, and we're going to take, you know, as our case study, a, uh, a classic seven truck uh, that's mm -hmm. operating 200 miles a day uh, for an entire year. Um, one is operating on propane and one is operating on, you know, batteries that are charged from that electric grid. You know, all of the efficiencies of an electric motor compared to the efficiencies of a propane motor, which have a disparity. Um, propane's not quite as efficient as the electric motor is. But when you add up all of those and you get a CO2 equivalent, we have a substantially lower car carbon tonnage output than the electric grid in 75% of the states. Uh, that's just with propane as we use it today. So that's that's one of the reasons why we did this study. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then are you able to discuss a little bit maybe how the study went about evaluating and comparing the carbon footprint between the two power sources? Sure, there's, there's, there's quite a few assumptions that, that have mm -hmm. to be made. Um, and what we're gonna focus on are the, the assumptions that make a noticeable difference in the two. Um, in other words, you know, the, the tires on both of these vehicles pretty much contribute the same amount, the, uh, the, the body and so forth and all of its pieces, you know, most of that. But the things that do make a difference is the powertrain production, uh, mostly the vehicle usage of the fuel that's being, you know, put into these uh, two vehicles and a little bit on the powertrain maintenance part of it. But as far as the, uh, uh, the, the things that aren't counted are, are those things that are negligible in between. So what we're actually studying is the CO2 differential between the two. Uh, and that was carefully done using the uh, uh, you know, energy information uh, agencies um, and CARB methodology to make this happen. So in, the, uh, you know, in, in that determination, 165 carbon intensity has you know, about 10% of it uh, in the you know, uh, extraction of the actual energy that goes into the power plant. About 70% of it is actually in the power plant um, generating that, uh, that electricity that goes into a transformer. And then the transmission and distribution is about another 20% makeup of that 165. Uh, the same goes for, for propane in its determination of, of a carbon intensity of 79 is, you know, the extraction of this, you know, propane from the processing that, that takes place and its transportation going from uh, a dispenser into the vehicle. So both of them are equally scaled the same way for determining those carbon intensities. And then when we actually uh, apply those carbon intensities, that's our measuring stick for determining actual CO2 emissions, we have to do the same thing. Um, it's the, you know, the, the, the transmission of uh, the, the fuel into the vehicle 
the efficiency of the electric motor, the efficiencies of, of propane. So it's a very, very accurate one-to-one -one comparison of those. And so, uh, for, for example, if we wanted to, you know, pick on any uh, individual state uh, that has, um, <clears throat> you know, their carbon intensity and, and so, if, if you like, you can pick a state and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. I, I like using Texas because it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty close to, you know, the average carbon intensity of, of the nation. But for example, in, in Texas, if we were to use propane uh, instead of, you know, battery electric on a class six, seven box truck moving 200 miles a day, our propane today would provide 169 tons of CO2 emissions less than the exact same truck using a battery electric uh, propulsion, you know, being charged from the grid. So it's substantial in that. Um, and in the few states that uh, the electric grid might be a little bit cleaner than the use of propane, that's where we're starting to use the renewable propane uh, mm. to actually uh, show a, a substantial difference in CO2 emissions based on the same truck being powered by an electric uh, battery source. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be kind of my next question. I know in the press release about the study, it mentioned that um, it mentioned made mention of renewable propane. So is this, the information from the study, is this based on just any propane or is it specifically renewable propane or um, is there a difference in the comparison between the two and how their carbon footprint compared to electrification? Yes, yes. Actually, there's there's two sources uh, of of renewable propane right now that are that are in 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 production. Uh, one is is a byproduct of a a diesel uh, renewable diesel um, processing. It, mm -hmm. It's a it's an automatic process of it, and so we get it from the you know fats and oils and feedstocks that are uh, making that renewable diesel, and in that process, we get our renewable propane. Uh, so the, the first kind of case study is showing that carbon intensity of renewable propane from, from the, you know, the, the diesel, uh, renewable diesel manufacturing. And so mm -hmm. if, if I pick on the same, you know, state of Texas, where it was 169 tons of CO2 less than that same electric truck, with our renewable propane, it's 356 tons less than that same electric truck in the state of Texas, but even in California, which has a very clean uh, production grid in, uh, in, in its state, we're 131 tons of CO2 less than the battery electric charge same truck operating in California with that renewable propane source. Now we have a second renewable propane source, which is actually a blend. Uh, we, we take a, uh, a renewable DME, which comes from a lot of dairy farm manure, uh, which has a carbon intensity of minus 278. Uh, so the DME and propane have a very similar molecular structure. So when we combine 20% of the renewable DME and 80% of our conventional processed you know, propane, we have a very 
clean, uh, renewable uh, source. And, uh, and in those same states, you know, I can, I can pick mm-hmm. on Texas again, where we started with 169 for our regular propane and then moved up uh, to, to over 300 with, with renewable propane from, from diesel, uh, renewable diesel. And now if we use the blend of DME and, and propane, we're actually at minus 410 tons of CO2 less than the battery electric charged vehicle. And we are in, in, in virtually every state except the state of Vermont, where all of it is basically hydro uh, sourced electricity. <clears throat> so um, in, in every state, we're, we're actually cleaner when we use that, that DME as well as with the, uh, the, the renewable um, propane from, from diesel. But when we actually come into uh, a comparison of not just today, Uh, or even tomorrow, but when we project out into the future, the electric grid goals are to be 95% uh, reduction in carbon intensity by 2035, okay? And that would Mm -hmm. require a tremendous amount of renewable going into the sourcing of the electric grid. So I'm going to project that and I'm also going to give uh, battery technology a five-fold increase. In other words, the 1,000 charge battery of today will um, uh, be a 5,000 cycle battery of 2035. That's an aggressive one, uh, but I'm going to give that to them as well as the 95% grid uh, uh, reduction in, in carbon intensity. So when I do that and I take our best blend of renewable propane, which is you know the renewable uh, diesel portion of our, our renewable propane and the blend with DME, <laughs> I'm still less in CO2 in every state in our country. In Texas, it's actually minus 79 tons, minus 68 tons in California, respectively. So we're not just doing this for, hey, a, a bridge or a stopgap, but this is actually a, a technology and fuel that can save us today, tomorrow, and way into the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then um, I know for the study, you guys kind of compared with um, medium and heavy duty vehicles, but would the, the same carbon reduction, carbon footprint be applicable for other types of applications? I know propane is used in, you know, say like a school bus or lawnmowers um, and other applications are, so would it be comparable in those types of applications as well? Well, this, this study, we got very specific with that class mm-hmm. six, seven, medium duty truck traveling 200 miles. Now, if you were to take this down into a, a you know, small passenger vehicle, it's not going to be traveling that far. It's going to have a substantially different weight. Uh, so, you know, so some of the information is going to be transferable, but in, in school bus, because that's a class seven vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, for, for the most part, this would be, you know, dead on the comparison. Right. Um, but it's, it's a, uh, uh, you know, the, the generalization of it is the same. You know, we, we have energy sources going to a power grid, the power grid moves it over through. It's just the actual calculations of CO2 would be tons of CO2 per vehicle would change based on those vehicle classes and the amount that they're being used. Uh, but absolutely, this is transferable to, uh, to, to other applications of EV-powered, you know, battery electric charged uh, uh, vehicles and, and, and equipment to propane-powered vehicles and equipment. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And so what is maybe sort of, what are maybe next steps or what do you guys want the industry to maybe take away from this study or what I guess is maybe needed for, to help further increase the uptake of propane or educating the industry further about its benefits? Well, I appreciate that, Sarah, because um, that, that's why we're, we're doing this is to <laughs> educate and make people aware. Um, for, for some reason, everybody uh, has this idea that, you know, the EV vehicle uh, is, is, the, is the best and only way to move forward in, in our carbon reduction goals, as well as emission goals. And I would challenge everybody uh, in the transportation sector, especially, to uh, not determine what the means are, uh, to achieve those goals, but to be open-minded about, hey, what is the best alternative to gasoline and diesel for getting the greatest amount of reductions, you know, carbon footprint reductions, emission reductions, uh, because we're, we've mostly been talking about CO2, uh, you know, greenhouse gas uh, reductions here, but there's mm. also the the, the harmful emissions of nitrogen oxides uh, that go, you know, right out of a tailpipe of, of a vehicle. And we've reduced those by 96% in those school buses uh, already. So it's a minuscule amount that's actually coming through. But in my uh, uh, study of actually doing a NOx comparison, that nitrogen oxide comparison of that same medium duty vehicle operating on batteries from you know the power plant, the power plant actually produced twice as much NOx going into that medium duty truck per mile than the propane one does. So it's not just the greenhouse gas reductions, but it's also the tailpipe emission reductions, if you will, uh, comparison, because that tailpipe for the electric you know, truck isn't on the truck, but it's on that power plant that charges that truck. So those emissions are still generated. So it's understanding the complete cycle. And if you want to reduce emissions and you want to reduce greenhouse gases, let's look at the entire picture of all of the, you know, uh, options that you have for your fleet to make those emission reductions. Uh, we want the regulatory industries also to understand uh, that they need to not just do tailpipe emission measurements uh, and standards, but the entire life cycle of those energy sources used to, to move those trucks down the road. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today and provide a little more insight into the study and um, the information that is came from it and everything. Oh, it's my, it's my pleasure. One of the things that I'm, I'm really glad about is the, uh, the, the transition for, for using propane, because mm -hmm. if you go and start and get your vehicles on propane today, you don't have to change anything when you start using renewable sources to even further lower your source, because all of the same infrastructure equipment is the same. All of the vehicle technology is exactly the same. Uh, so it's a, it's a great transition to further reducing your emissions without making any changes to your fleet. Mm -hmm. Right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of OEM Industry Update. Thank you again to Steven for providing his insights into this new research and the benefits of propane as a fuel option. Be sure to tune in each week for another episode to stay up to date on our ever-changing industry.